podium? Is that, I don't know. Is that yours? Or? All right. Good to see everyone this morning. Oh, wow. Some look like llamas. Praise God. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Hallelujah. Good to see everyone this morning. Can we pray? Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you can just turn the monitors off. I'm, I'm in the monitor. Maybe you can just turn the monitors on. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you for an amazing time of worship, God, where we could just come before you and exalt your name and declare your praises and your truth. Uh, Father, with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you desire to to just uh, flow in us and through us this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory in our midst. We thank you, God, that you are here. And Lord, we just, uh, we ask, Father, for eyes to see what you're doing. We ask for eyes of faith to be stirred. We ask, Father, for our hearts to be stirred by your word this morning. We thank you, Father God, that, that uh, shackles and chains of disappointment and regret would just fall off. God, without much ado this morning, and Father, we thank you for your kindness, we thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your love that overwhelms us, God, and that uh, is extended towards us, Father, on a continual basis. We thank you, Jesus, that you love each person here today, and I thank you, Father, that it's not by accident, God, that uh, every person is here today. And so, Father, we want to honor you, and I just ask, God, that you would Father, lead uh, the message this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Good morning. Awesome. Great. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor just quickly, so uh, you're going to preach with me this morning. Just tell them, say, God is good. All right. Awesome. Well done. Okay, now, now tell them, say, God is in a good mood. Yeah. He is. Yesterday, uh, uh, one, of, one of the messages that I love from Chris Vallison was preached, and, and that is, uh, you know, because of life, and sometimes we go through disappointments, and sometimes we go through challenges, and, and so there's a saying that says, don't get your hopes up. Now, have you, how many of you have ever heard that saying? Yeah? All right. All right. But you know that's not a godly saying. You know, if, if, we, would, if we would take that saying and, and put it up against... Uh, you know, the, the, the voice of the Lord or the voice of the enemy, which, which one do you think that, w- that saying would align with? Probably the enemy, right. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. And so, uh, you know, one of the verses that I love is in First Thessalonians chapter 1 where it says that we must endure in hope. So a lot of times we can endure under, like, hardship or we can endure... But really, the one thing that God has asked us to do is endure in hope. That no matter what comes, we're able to endure in hope. So tell your neighbor, say, get your hopes up. Amen. Awesome. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, some You may have heard me say this before. We're going to start here. And... Uh, we're going to go on from there. So we're going to 
we're going to attempt to tackle some challenging uh, thoughts today, some uh, uh, just different challenging circumstances in light of God's goodness. So, um, and what I would like to do is I would like to start reading here in Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as like the great hall of fame of faith, right? It's like the great hall of fame of faith. And so we'll just start here reading in verse 1, and then we're going to jump to the end. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's why it's important that we stay hope-filled. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I love that. Man, inviting God's word to frame our world. So that the things which are seen were not made with the things that are visible. By faith, verse 4, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who, belie- he who comes to God, excuse me, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved by godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of, right- heir of, right- of the righteousness which is according to faith. It goes on, verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place for which he had received an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in a land of promise, in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child Uh, When she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky, and multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Verse 13. But having seen them afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And it goes on in in verse 17, by faith Abraham, and then by faith Isaac, verse 20, by faith Jacob, verse 21, verse 22, by faith um, Joseph, and then Moses. And and it goes on the whole way down to verse 30, and let's just jump down to verse 30, so we're not reading the whole chapter. I know you can read, so. says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who had, who had not believed when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall we say? For the time would tell, uh, would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead back to life again. Others were tortured. Wait, what? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. 
that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and chains and of imprisonments. And they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. I wanted to read that because sometimes, you know, especially in uh, charismatic circles, you know, we, we can tend to have this, this thing of like, man, if something challenging or something hard or something difficult or something we don't understand happens to us that there must be something wrong with our faith but here it is in the great hall of fame of faith there was many things that were accomplished through faith through faith but there was also many things that were endured through faith and we don't always get to choose what is accomplished through faith and what we have to endure and walk through through faith you see, we, we you know, and, and all of us, I, I think, would probably recognize this, that, that we're not promised ice cream and cake for the rest of our lives when we first come to Christ, right? You know? I mean, we are saved and delivered and set free, and we, we can walk in the promises of who he says we are to be, and we can walk with him, but we're not promised, you know, that there's no challenges. In fact, you know, Jesus, you know, he, he pretty much says, like, you will have trouble in this world, but just take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen? And so uh, I want to talk about God's goodness this morning uh, in light of some of the tragedies that happen in our life. Some of the challenges and some of the things that, that don't make sense. And, and there's a lie in the earth today that, that God causes tragedy in order to make people turn to him. And... You know, there, there's, 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 you know, if, if we, if we have never experienced tragedy, that's a very easy thing to believe. Like, oh, well, well, yeah, of course, that's, you know, that would be, you know, people get scared and so they turn to God. But if you actually look at the history and the facts of people who uh, would say that they turned to God in a time of extreme tragedy and fear uh, for the first time, it doesn't really stick. That, that, that faith doesn't really stick, honestly. Like, if that was the case, we would see, you know, the entire world be saved already because there's been tragedy in every place. The Bible says in um, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it's not tragedy that brings us to repentance, but what is it? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. It's his goodness expressed. It's his kindness that leads us to express uh, to repentance. And, and Bill Johnson says this quote. I, I'll just get Bill Johnson on my side here uh, <laughs> quickly. Uh, it says, it has been easier to change the, our interpretation of Scripture by, try, by finding out why something happened than it is to seek God until he answers with power. Sometimes it's easier 
to change, to, to go in and try and come up, you know, and honestly, there's a lot of pain that comes by trying to find the answer why, and even more pain that comes by trying to give the answer why, you know, <laughs> and then there's all kinds of very uh, heartfelt things uh, or sincere things, but a lot of stupid things <laughs> that are said in light of tragedy because people are trying to reconcile and sometimes it's easier just to change our interpretation of scripture and say well you know god's not in charge or 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 he's not good all the time or it's sometimes it's easier to just do that than to to press in and say god i'm wrestling with this challenge i'm wrestling with my faith here and i'm wrestling through hardship and trial and i don't understand First of all, there's, um, so God, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And there's two ways with which God's kindness is revealed to us. And, and uh, the first one is his presence. <laughs> and, and, you know, as much as God has never promised that it will be an easy walk from here on out, he promises, he says, I will be with you. His kindness is revealed in his presence. He said it to Joshua. He said it to Joseph. He says it to you and to me. He says, I will not leave you destitute. I will not leave you afflicted. I will be with you. I will be with you. And that's one thing, you know, it, it, we're not promised an easy out. We're promised his presence. In the midst of trial, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of struggle. And listen, uh, you know, we, praise God. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, we should never stop doing works in faith. We should never stop aiming our hope and aiming our faith at, at uh, you know, m the miraculous and, and God's uh, favor and his presence among us. We should never stop uh, doing that. And, you know, th some, of the, some of the hardest things to reconcile is that, uh, you know, we <laughs> uh, personally, we've, we've, we've seen people healed of AIDS. We've seen people healed of cancer, and yet we've buried very, good, powerful, young men and women. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm applying that specifically to what I've seen in Africa. Like, like, we've buried preachers who are young and anointed, and when they speak, God moves, and, and the anointing of the and the presence of God is there, and they've been taken out by things like typhoid and, and taken out by malaria. And, you know, it sometimes... It's hard to, to walk with that. Say, God, over here we see healing, we see breakthrough, we see miracles, and yet we, we see challenge and fear uh, of loss. You know, God, how, and there's this place I believe we have to come to where we say, God, you're God. And it's not, it's not by our, like, our faith can't dictate everything. But our faith brings us to you and we walk with you psalms chapter 23 says this it says uh, verse 4 says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why for you are with me now you have a promise from god that no matter what you go through <clears throat> he is with you he is with you it doesn't mean that you always understand the why of something happening. You know, honestly, 
there, there isn't always understandable reasons. Sometimes people are just stolen from. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know? Sometimes we're just stolen from. But in the midst of some of the challenges, and so we've had a lot of messages about the goodness of God, and, and Alan asked me to tackle this message <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, you know? So how do we reconcile God's goodness in the light of tragedy, in the light of, you know, the hurricanes, in the light of Marie, in all of these things? And, and of course, we see God's people, you know, in those times rising up to be a blessing and to, to move moved out of compassion and moved out of responsibility for the heart of mankind and for the heart of people saying every person is valuable, whether they contribute to society or not, you know. Um, but so we see it that way. But sometimes, you know, we walk with this. And we just have to recognize the challenge of that and say, you know what, God, I'm not God. You're God. And my walk is to be with you. And my walk is to be in obedience to what you tell me to do. And, and I'm okay with that. It's not my responsibility to give answers to why things happen or why things don't happen. I've seen, you know, People stand in faith for years and, and just what happens in Hebrews 11 there where they died in faith. And, you know, we, we do tend to have a finite view of our life. We, we tend to lose scope of eternity when it comes to our, our personal pain or our personal suffering. And so, and I, I really believe that honestly, you know, uh, as, you know, uh, that when people die in faith, it's like the ultimate slap in the enemy's face. It's the ultimate victory that God can, can say, you know what, they loved me till the end. O- you know, almost like if, you know, the story of Job, you know, and we know that in the story of Job, God, he, he had things restored, but what if there wasn't res- restoration and, and, and God is able to say, they loved me till the end. Their protection was his protection was removed from him, and he still chose me. He still loved me. Look at that faith. Look at that. He died in faith. The ultimate victory for God. Sometimes we have that we don't see our lives or the lives of our loved ones in the context of eternity Titus uh, or sorry I'm jumping ahead there uh, Psalms 23 it says for even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death you know if there's a shadow there's a light somewhere there's a shadow there's a light somewhere he is there he is the light that we get to walk he, that he is with us his presence is the light that begins to swallow the shadow of death. When you study people who have died, and, and there's, there's great uh, studies out there of uh, uh, near-death experiences, uh, death experiences where people come back, but then also deathbed experiences. And when you study that, um, there's, this, there's this place where even in the challenge, 
of the struggle of someone's end of life, they have desired to not come back. Like in all this challenging, there's something so amazing about heaven that in that place, and we're we're all going there. (laughs) If you love Jesus, we're all going there. But there's documented uh, studies after study after study of like they, when, when people have had experiences at the end of life and um, even to the point where uh, people have been medically brain dead and so there's no life but they have come back and been able to, to share what they've encountered. So in other words, uh, you know, medical doctors not understanding it's not just lack of oxygen you know in the blood that causes people to think and and see crazy things it's it's no there there is no life but yet the person is recounting no doctor i saw you do this to my body i saw you do this and i saw you do this and i saw you do this and so the doctor knows that there's no life in the body but this person is remembering what we did to try to resuscitate them and it didn't work and then they wound up coming back later so Anyway, I don't, I don't want to go into all that, but what the point of that, point of what I'm saying here is that, that there's, uh, on the heaven side of life, there is such an incredible experience that people don't desire to come back. And they have this, they have this feeling of like, oh, everyone who's grieving me will be here soon, and it'll be okay. Really interesting study. Uh, anyway, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He loved us, He saved us, not because of works done by uh, us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus manifested, he was the purest picture of God's kindness and God's goodness. God's kindness and goodness is revealed in his presence in us by his spirit and his presence among us to show us how to live and how to relate to God the Father. That was what Jesus was doing. When he came, he came to show us how to be, how to live a Christian life, how to relate to our Heavenly Father. That's what His example to us was. And so God's goodness was saying, listen, I'm not only just going to give you the law that tells, that, that, that uh, would punish you according, you know, when you do something wrong, but I'm going to give you the model of how to live. And, and not only am I going to give you the model of how to live, I'm going to give you His Spirit that, to help lead you in life of how to relate to me as your father. Man, that's amazing. That's good. That's God's goodness at work. The Bible says that Jesus is the, is the fullness of God uh, manifest here on earth. He is Emmanuel. He was, he was called Emmanuel. You know, God's desire is to be among his people so much. Like more, more than you love God, God loves you. Do, do we get that? That like, you know... Uh, Jesus was, he he was called and appointed and given the task and the assignment to be Emmanuel, God with us. God paid so much, he did so much just to be with us. 
God's kindness and his goodness is, is manifested to us by his presence with us no matter where we go. And sometimes people will say to me, well, how, how do I draw closer to God? How, how, do, I get, how, how do I get closer to God? Because sometimes our emotions, you know, we, we, we don't feel close to God. Anyone ever feel that way? Yeah. Well, really, if, uh, you know, I, I think the best place to start is to go back and say, well, what has God done to draw close to you? So, you know, it's, it's one, you know, if, if I say, well, how can I draw close to God? It puts the onus on me that, like, I have to be good enough or I have to be doing something enough, you know, in order to be close to God. When actuality, you know, he has overcome many more obstacles. I think maybe I preach this here or somewhere else, I don't know. But uh, th- he, it, it's about him coming to us. What, he, what has he overcome to be with us, to be with us? Us. I mean, he, he, he came to earth, he left, left his glory, he left his throne, he left, you know, the authority he had, became a man, uh, became, chose to be constricted into what we are constricted in, in life, he was, he was fully man, he was fully God, but he was fully man, and I mean, he was raised under human parents, come on, <laughs> I mean, y'all had that experience, all right, and I had good parents, you know. <laughs> I have to say that my mom said, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I really did. I had amazing parents, you know, but like, <laughs> uh, you, you know, you have, you have, um, y- he had the same experiences. I mean, he had to get a job when he was 21. He was a woodworker, you know, Jesus had to get a job. He, he endured all this stuff in order to be close. And then he was crucified. He was brutally murdered. He was brutally killed. On a hung trial, on a, and he was just to be with you. You see, the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. When Jesus died, all of a sudden, it was about God was able to come out of the holiest, holiest of holies. And, and he stayed in there not for his sake to say, well, I'm so pure and so holy. You have to, you have to be separate from me. He stayed in there. He's, his manifest presence and glory was in there for our sakes because if he would come out among us without the blood of Jesus, making recompense for sin, we would all be obliterated and killed. But the moment that Jesus died, the veil was torn in the temple from top to bottom. It was God who, God said, I am coming out to be among my people. I love them so much that I am going to manifest myself among them. And so when we walk with that realization, it's not so much about how do I feel close to God. It's, it's God, whether I feel like you're here or not, you are here. Like I'm positioned before your throne. You are here. And I, w- because of what you have done, I live positioned in your presence. I live positioned before your throne. And so in, in as much as many times our worship songs are like, God, won't you come? You know, I mean, he's already here. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite songs for worship is, you are here, moving in this place. He's here. We don't always feel, we don't always recognize, we don't always see it. But that's not because he's not here. That's not because he's not with us. It's not because he's not here. So his goodness is revealed to us in his presence. Bill Johnson also says this. He says, whatever you think you know about God, but you can't find it in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. Jesus Christ is the fullest and most precise revelation of the Father and his nature ever made known. You see, we must seek his presence 
more than we seek answers. And when we get thrown a curveball in life, it's really easy to start to try and seek answers. But answers without his presence doesn't bring satisfaction. It doesn't satisfy our hearts. And in fact, it's only in his presence that sometimes us not having answers becomes okay. It's only in his presence where the mystery becomes okay. Where the mystery says, God, I don't don't understand it, but I know you're here. I know you're here. And I give what I don't understand to you as an offering. Sometimes we can, you know, when we're standing in faith for something, and like we want, we want to be healed, or we want to, we want to, you know, have something so badly, it can actually become an idol, you know, where every time we go to God, that's the thing we're talking about, you know, you know, <laughs> all right. And and it's not that we we shouldn't, you know, have faith for things. It's not that we shouldn't aim our hope at things, but it's like God, uh, okay, we're not dictating what you do, but we are coming to you, and we we want to receive everything that you have for us. Amen. Just just a slight. Just a slight change of how we are positioning our hearts and our lives. Crispillus Ware says this. He says, it is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question. But to make us progressively aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as the cause of our wonder. He is the cause of our wonder. I know this personally. I was I was there when the police came to inform uh, my parents of my oldest brother and his whole family died. I answered the door. And in that moment, before in the shock of that, before emotions set in, God said, it's okay, we have a father. So, it res- resounded so much in my heart and my spirit, and it, it set the tone of the grieving process. Uh, in that moment, in that, in that time of loss, know how I would feel if I didn't have his presence. I don't know how I would feel if I didn't have his voice. There's some other things that throughout life that God told me about that were going to happen. Enabling me to be okay when the time came and it did and I don't know how I would, you know, I mean I see God, I see God's goodness in his presence, even in the midst of challenge and struggle. From that whole scenario, uh, some of you, uh, most of you probably know, my, you know, my oldest brother in 2002, his wife and his two boys, they all perished in a plane crash. And um, God took me on a journey of healing where I would have these vivid dreams. Now, I was living in South Africa uh, when a lot of this was happening. In 2004, we moved to South Africa. 
And so there, you know, it's this period of maybe several years uh, where I would wake up weeping because I had this dream. You know, my brother was a big guy. He was a, well, at that time, he was bigger than me. <laughs> so I would like to imagine that he's still that big, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we would have these dreams. I, I would have these dreams uh, where it was Jesus and Jerry, my brother. And there was no words exchanged, but I was just holding him, and he was holding me. <laughs> crying, me crying, uh, and then I would wake up, a few months later, I'd have another one, boom, it was encounter after encounter, Jesus was always there, standing at your side, and I remember the, the, the last one I had, and I knew it was going to be the last one I had in the dream, because it, there was this, there was this, it was like, though you never get over it, you become you don't live in this place of like ban like utter loss. You understand? Like okay, that's really hard to say. Um Yeah. Like you're not destitute. You're not destitute. Though you never get over it. But the sting of death, the destitution that it brings. And it was like that was healed in my heart. And I had that, that dream where Jesus was there and I was meeting my brother worked in the hospital and it was like a hospital waiting room. And the last time, you know, we hugged and wept and cried and it was like we cried everything out. And then he came to his feet and walked through the double doors. woke up drifting out of faith again. My sorrow was gone. Now, I still knew him, and obviously, you know. I don't know whether he's like the last, like, two out of the four times I preached here, I cried. But <laughs> this is not a good start. No. <laughs> no um, but, like, the, the, the brokenness of it. And I know that broken, brokenness intellectually, you know, but the depth of it. And, and Jesus was always there. He was always there, and he was facilitating that healing process. And you might have gone through something challenging like that, and you, you, you might not say, man, I, you know, God didn't give me any dreams, and, but, but Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And he facilitates a healing process if we let him. But we got to embrace it. We can't, you know, faith isn't ignoring challenge. Like, oh, no, I don't have a cold. <laughs> you know, like, no, like faith is like, God, I have a cold and I'm bringing it to you. God, this hurts. This is terrible. This is painful. I don't understand it. But I come and I lay it at the altar. And you are God. You are God. And I am not. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, when the author comes on stage, the play is over. And many times we cry out for justice and we cry out for, you know, God, you know, the finality. Lord, let, let 
pain end. Let suffering end. But when Jesus comes to take control like that, it will also be the end of free will. It will be the end of time. You know? And so in his long suffering of the earth, towards those who are not yet saved, as in Hebrews 11, if God would have come to give all of the promises to all those who were standing in faith, who died in faith, so that, that we would not have received it, then we also have. Amen? It's God's presence that helps us in our wrestle with tragedy. His kindness and his goodness is revealed to us in those tragedies. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, now of course I told you a big one, <laughs> you know, but there's been a lot of challenges and struggles that, that we've walked through of, of not having enough to eat all the time and not having enough finances, not having enough and, and really just wrestling through stuff and having, uh, now this wasn't in Dove, but having spiritual leaders really disappoint us and do horrible things. And, you know, there was always this, this, this place of like, God, Man, like we, we need you. We need your help. And his presence has always been there to, to, to this day. And that, that was something, you know, as, as a child, I had wonderful parents. I had a wonderful family. But I was like on the very tail end of my family, you know. So there was a lot of times I played alone. I did a lot of things alone. And there was this thing that like, I, you know, the, a wound of the father of lies, not my natural father, but of the father of lies, put into my heart is that you will be alone and you're always going to have to fight alone and do it alone and do it by yourself and through the years God has healed that wound in me and he has healed that at a point and, and to the point where now I know I am never alone I'm never alone even in the sh in in hardest struggles and challenges and I'm never alone I, I just, there's something in me that is concreted in, in my belly that says I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I don't understand. I don't have answers for everything, but I know I'm not alone. And I know that he's here. I know that he's leading me. God's goodness is revealed through his presence. The second way God's goodness is revealed uh, is re he's revealed in the empowering of the Holy Spirit to us. So not only is he, he reveals his goodness to us, but he reveals his goodness then through us. And he has empowered us by his Holy Spirit. And, you know, another quote says this. It says, bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. So when we get that bedrock of faith, of, of, of just quiet trust in the Lord, that's the shoulder, that's the launch pad for bold faith. That's the launch pad to say, hey, I don't know where this is going to go in the next 20 years, you know, 30 years, five years, next week, you know, I don't, I don't know, but let's do it. I'm all in. I'm going to have a do what it takes at attitude. <laughs> Amen. At life. Like I'm going to, let's go for it. Let's, let's pursue. Let's go for things. And, and my risk, my, my wife says I have a higher than average risk tolerance. <laughs> Praise God for an amazing wife who follows me. <laughs> but like, you know, just this, you know, God, when we have it settled that God is good and he's our father and he's always with us. And, and even if we blow it and we wind up in a really dumb place, you know, like uh, I always, you know, I always hear 
Okay, this is just how my mind works. So, is it okay if we just take a couple more minutes? <laughs> this is how my mind works. Whenever anyone says, well, you know, you never hear of anyone on their deathbed wishing that they had spent, you know, like made more money or like wishing that they would uh, have like been more cautious or more conservative. <laughs> this is just how my mind works. I'm like, well, the people who weren't conservative, who were like uh, had a very high risk tolerance, they're not the ones dying on their deathbed. <laughs> like. Like, they're, you know, the ones, shoot, I shouldn't have jumped off this cliff. You know, <laughs> like, like, you know, that, <laughs> so we only get to hear about the regrets of those on their deathbed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just saying, <laughs> you know, it's part of the whole statistical thing, analysis I like to do. <laughs> it's like, well, we're only hearing half the story. So, <laughs> anyway, praise <laughs> That has nothing to do with my message this morning. Uh, all right. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. We're going to close this down here. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What is your faith for your life? What is your faith for end times? What is your faith? It says, man, right here we have the promise of God that the increase of his government, his reign, his rule and authority, and his peace will be no end. Man, God's government and peace will be ever increasing. There will be no end. Hallelujah. Man, it's ever going to be increasing. Why do we still yet, why do we still see pain and sorrow? It's because the end has not yet come. You know, I mean, we're not here, but it's ever increasing. God's kingdom is ever increasing and it's growing through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can see more and more and more, but when we don't see what we want to see, it's still okay. Like it's not the end yet. You know, we're not there yet, but praise God for what we see. Amen. And there's greater things ahead of us. We're not just holding fast till, you know, Maybe if we just hold fast until he comes, like we won't have to endure. No, 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 no. No, his kingdom is ever increasing. His government is ever increasing and his peace is ever increasing. That's for us. That's for you and for me. Amen? God is in a good mood. He's never at this place where he's like, ah, I'm disgusted with life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's, you know, God, God was disgusted with mankind many times before the blood of Jesus came and rectified it. So what happens is God sees humanity. He even sees lost humanity through the lens of Christ's blood and what they can become. Listen, I'm not saying that everybody's always saved. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when God sees every person that is alive today, he sees them according to who he created them to be in accordance with eternity past. And see, when we begin to see others that way, we are able to say, man, you're amazing. Like God has made, yeah, God has made you amazing. And we get to remind people and call people to who God has called them to be. And it's that that, that causes them, it's the kindness of God that causes them to want God and want to, to come to repentance and say, man, I don't know, I want what you have. I want to know God the way you know him. 
in, uh, we call it calling out the gold, you know. I think we need to celebrate the golden people. You know, uh, mines, you, you mine gold, right? You dig it out of the ground. And when you're dealing with people, people are a lot like mines. There's a lot of dirt. But you're not there to find the dirt. You're not there to hold up the dirt and say, look at the dirt, everybody. You know, you're there to find the gold call that out and then require them to live up to that. Say, listen, this is who God has made you to be. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's live up to that. Jesus said this in John 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say this to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. We have a calling to do the same works as Jesus. I know that sounds crazy, but listen, Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He called people to the fullness of God. He called people back to the Father. He connected them. There was something, it's not, it's not just amazing that like Jesus went to sinners. It's amazing that sinners like to be around Jesus, you know? That, that, and that's what you and I are called to. That's what you and I are anointed to do, that same calling. We have the same calling. He modeled a Christian life for us. He modeled a relationship with the Father for us. And as we walk in the same obedience as the Father, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, through us, we're able to do what he has done. Jesus told us to pray this. He said in Matthew 6, verse 10, it said, your kingdom come. Pray this way. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it was not possible, he would not tell us to do it. To do it. If it wasn't possible, we have to have this attitude of, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be walking with God. And hey, you know, we, we, and we have to be willing to risk we have to be willing to like stumble forward and, and not know and, and, and to get back up and walk in because he's always with us. That's amazing. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. Oh, sorry, I didn't pause for you to say amen, Josh. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, it says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. He wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't. He wouldn't say to do it if it wasn't for our dispensation of time. We can tackle cessationism another time. But he wouldn't give us that job description and then be like, hey, go and do all this, <laughs> but I'm not going to give you the tools to do it. Like, can you remodel my house? But you can't use tools. I heard Brian use that one time. <laughs> you know, like, it, God's not that way. He's not that way. He empowers us to give, but you have to receive freely. Freely you have received. You have to take time to receive of his presence. Take time in his presence. Take time from him. And, and you know what's amazing is that, like, as much as we have wonderful worship and wonderful aids to help us in receiving in his presence, like, he's there. Like, you don't need worship. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I love to worship. Like you, don't get me wrong, but like, like you can, you can, you, you can just go like this, and he's there. He's there. A lot of times, what keeps us out of that place is saying, "Well, I'm not good enough, or I'm not enough, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, or I'm not." And just let all that silence, uh, let all that be silent. Just say the cross has made me who I'm not. Yes, 
to be able to say, God has made me amazing in his eyes. And he's okay with me. But I'm going to stand here in this moment and just saying, Father, we receive you. It's the ability to receive that gives us the ability to give. That gives us the ability to give. Freely you have received, now freely give. Amen. Another Bill Johnson quote to end us off here today is, I can die of starvation with a million dollars in the bank, but if I do not make withdrawals from my account, my wealth is no better than a dream, a principle, or a fantasy. All right, God has given us, uh, God has given us great gifts to walk with him and accomplish the jobs that he's given us to do. And sometimes we, you know, we kind of give ourselves an excuse or check out to say, well, I'm not gifted that way, or I don't, you know, I don't have that gift or that gift. Or that. You, if you have the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, you, you don't got an excuse. <laughs> Amen. Like, I mean, like he's, he's the one, he's the giver of the gifts. Amen. He's the one uh, who's able to give us the gifts. Amen. Is that the... <laughs> You are going too long. <laughs> All right. We'll end with this. <laughs> Many people have taken the area of their greatest struggle and they've submitted it to God to use. Dave Hess talks about how uh, you know he God he had leukemia and he had to go through uh, very difficult, uh, challenging life. He was going to die, and in the middle of his leukemia. He had an appendicitis, and his appendix burst, and God, through a miracle, saved him from dying from the appendicitis, but he still had to go through all the chemo and everything for leukemia, and today, he is on call 24-7 for those who find out that they have leukemia, and he is able to go and minister to them. He's turned, you know, God has enabled him to take that greatest struggle and begin to use it against the enemy, against the enemy, and this week, I was, I was supposed to have a meeting with Pastor Allen. He texted me and said, hey, I was called out at the last minute uh, to go into the hospital on chaplaincy duty. You know, and you've had experience with that. You know, you see, there's a place where in Proverbs it says that, um, that the enemy, when a thief steals, he has to pay back. Because people do not, uh, Proverbs 6, verse 30 and 31, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Listen, whatever the enemy has stolen from you, I'm going to charge you today to stand on this verse and say, Satan, empty the contents of your house. It's mine by right. We need to plunder hell. We need to plunder hell. Every time the enemy steals from us, it's an invitation to begin to plunder hell. Can we stand together? I know that we touched on a lot of like, a lot of things today and, uh, there's so much more, you know, that, that God wants to take us on. But I just want to pray uh, for us here in closing. Uh, first, I want to pray for discernment of seasons. There's seasons to grieve. 
there's seasons to be in that place where like of saying, I don't want to, I, I can't do anything else but grieve. And we're not called to be stuck there. Now, listen, we're always, you know, we will always miss what has been stolen from us. But we're not called to be trapped in a season of grief. Okay? Um, I want to pray for revelation of how God can use the mysteries in our lives, the things we don't know for his purpose. Like we, we need revelation. That's, that's got to be something supernatural. That's not something that we can say, you know, analytically de- decline, uh, whatever, come to in ourselves. We need revelation. God, how, how can, how in giving this to you, can we walk with you expecting that the enemy, that the devil, that his house will be plundered because he is shut in our dear children. And then let's pray for recompense and restoration. Let's pray. Father, I just ask, Lord, for every person who has gone through a season of mourning. Um, Father, you say in your word that there is a time to weep. There is a time to mourn. And we recognize that, God, and we we don't want to push anybody through that. Father, uh, we thank you, Father, that you give us, you walk with us for what we need in those times. And and Father, we, we pray for those who would be in that season, God. We ask, Lord, that they would be able to mourn well and grieve well, Father, that their hearts would be emptied out before you, Father, and that you would be able to take those, the pieces of our hearts and, and walk uh, with every person who is in that season. And Father, we, we pray, Lord, for your presence to be there, the undergirding force that carries them through this time in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask also, Lord, that you would be, uh, that you would give us the discernment of the seasons, Father, that we would not, uh, Father, that as we're healed, we would not choose, Lord, to stay in a cycle, Father, of where we cannot move on in our lives or, or cannot begin to do new things in our lives. Father, we ask, Lord, for discernment of how to take the next steps, God. We don't always see it, Father. We don't always know it. We ask, Father, that you would uh, show us how to take a step forward, even with the memories of things that have been lost uh, going with us. But, God, we, we ask, Father, that you would empower us to walk forward with you, God, especially in our relationship with you, Father, that we would not become stuck in Jesus' name. And, Father, we ask, Lord, for revelation also, God, of, of how we can minister to others and mini- walk with others and see hell plundered in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We ask for revelation, God, and we come to you, Father. We know that you're God and we're not. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that we can trust and rely on you. You are trustworthy. Your heart for us is trustworthy, God. And Father, we thank you for your work today in our hearts and in our lives. And we ask that you would seal us in it. And we ask, God, that you would move with each person here today. In Jesus' name.